As you are being seated, open your Bible to 2 Timothy chapter 2. We've been going verse by verse through this second letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to his apprentice, Timothy. Timothy was a pastor. Paul was a prisoner. He was in a hole waiting for execution. This was the final letter that the Apostle Paul would write under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, which would eventually be a part of the Bible. And so we open our Bibles to hear truth. Now the title of the message today is this, can you handle the truth? Can you handle the truth? Um, I remember a famous scene in a Hollywood movie entitled A Few Good Men. Those of you that are over the age of 30 are going, I know exactly what you're talking about. Those of you that are under the age of 30, you have no idea what I'm about to talk about. But uh, there is this classic scene where Tom Cruise is prosecuting the witness played by Jack Nicholson. And Tom Cruise is compelling the witness, Jack Nicholson, to tell the truth. And there is a climactic moment in the movie where Jack Nicholson shouts back to the courtroom the famous words, say it with me, you can't handle the truth. Can you handle the truth this morning? Well, let's read some truth here from God's Word, 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning in verse 14. Paul says to Timothy, and God says to us this morning, remind them of these things and charge them before God, not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Can you handle the truth? Verse 16, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like COVID, uh, gangrene. (laughs) Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some, but God's firm foundation stands bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. We're going to talk about truth this morning. Did you know that in the year 2016, the Oxford Dictionary declared the international word of the year was a hyphenated word, here it is, post-truth. And they defined it this way, relating to or denoting circumstances in which objective facts are less influential in shaping public opinion than appeals to emotion and personal belief. What they were telling us is we've entered a new era in our culture where truth is diminished and personal appeals to emotion and personal belief matters more than objective facts. So how do we know what is true? How do we define truth? How do we measure truth claims this morning? 
Now, I, I'm going to illustrate this to you here. Now, normally, I would, I would just simply ask if we could try to find the tallest person in the room, but I think I already know who that is. That is my friend, Kevin Abbott, who is now making his way to the platform. Now, Kevin is a longtime faithful member of our church, actually a very faithful a member of Cornerstone Community Church, which uh, we adopted back in the day. Now, Kevin has a distinguishing feature about himself, and the closer that he gets to me, the more his distinguishing feature <laughs> will be made obvious. I don't know if it's his distinguishing feature or mine that is most obvious right now. Now, um, Kevin, how tall are you? I used to think six foot seven. But you, are we living in a post-truth era where you're not quite sure that that's like true? Older, I think I'm starting to shrink a little. Okay, you may have lost a little bit. All right, well, Kevin has made a truth claim this morning. Now, my question to you is, how are we going to measure his truth claim? How would we actually know whether or not he's telling the truth? There are a couple of different ways we could do that. We could take an opinion poll. Let's just do that right now. How many of you think that Kevin is six foot seven inches tall? Raise your hand if you believe him, all right? How many of you think he's shrunk an inch or so? And like, I'm not quite sure, I don't even know him. He doesn't quite have credibility. I'm gonna, I'm gonna need some more evidence. Um, there's a lot of different ways, but um, here, here, is, here is the thing you need to know about me as well, because I know you've been wondering this. I wonder how tall Trent is. Well, I just want to settle the score this morning. The truth is, I am actually six feet, seven inches tall <laughs> as well. Now, I hear some of you laughing out there. That's very insensitive. <laughs> You're hurting my feelings. Do you not understand that we live in a post-truth era and if I want to identify as a six foot, seven inch man, who are you to tell me that I am not telling the truth? You say, Trent, you can believe that all you want, but you're not six feet, seven inches tall. So what would we need to, to actually measure my truth claim and Kevin's truth claim? What we would need is a tool, a measuring tool. We would need an absolute standard by which to measure these truth claims. Now, the good news is somebody has already given us a tool to measure truth claims about height. And so all we would have to do, Kevin, just stand right here and let's, let's see if your truth claim is actually true here. Because I have an absolute standard of measurement. I'm gonna need one of those chairs here in a minute. Okay, we've got... Um, Kevin, you, you, I'm thinking you grew an inch. You're like six, seven and a half. You may even be six, eight. You're growing, okay? All right, so, so here you, you want to measure my truth claim? Yeah. All right, you, you measure me up here, okay? It's a little bit easier for me. <laughs> yeah, you're about... Five foot, seven and a half, maybe. Uh, seven and three quarters, man. Don't rob me. I need, I need my, my quarter inch there. All right. Thank you very much. You, you can go down. Now, now what we just, yes, you want to give him a hand? Really, he didn't do anything. I mean, he just stood up here and was tall. Um, 
Now, what we just did is very important because as much as we want to live in a post-truth era and believe whatever we want, there is still truth. And the distinguishing mark of Christians is that we've committed ourselves to believe what is true. Now, let's define what we mean when we say truth. I remember years ago, I heard this definition from Josh McDowell, and I just think it's a wonderful way to understand what truth is. Truth is that which is right for all people in all places at all times. What we're saying by that is what is true today is the same as what is was true when God created the world. What is true for you as a teenager is the same thing that was true for your grandmother. Truth doesn't change over time. And it doesn't change based on where you live. What is true for Americans is true for Hungarians. What is true for my family is true for your family. It's for all people at all times in all places. Now, what you need to understand about truth is, truth is not something that we create from within. You don't need to go on some deep soul search to find out what is true for you. All you need to do is listen to what God has said is true. Truth doesn't come from within. Truth is something that is believed outside of us and spoken into us. Truth is transcendent. Truth exists outside of time and space, outside of people, places, and times. Truth is transcendent. And truth is not created. God created truth and it exists. It existed before time began. Truth is not discovered. You don't go discover new truth. I think I said it a couple of weeks ago. Um, If it's true, it's not new. And if it's new, it's not true. Truth is not created. It's not discovered. Listen, truth is revealed. And God is a God of truth. God is a God who wants to be known. And so God has spoken. And what God speaks is true. Jesus called himself the truth. And so to embrace a post-truth posture in this world is to embrace a post-Jesus posture. To reject truth is to reject God. And to reject God is to reject truth. So we've read in this passage about how we're supposed to handle truth. We've read about two guys that swerved from the truth. I want you to see five things that we can learn from this passage. First of all, we need to remember the truth because remembering the truth is difficult. If you've been coming over the last few weeks, you keep seeing this word remember pop up. As a matter of fact, it's the first word again in this passage. Remind them. Pastor Tyler reminded you last week on Easter Sunday, verse 8, it says, remember Jesus Christ. I told you on Easter Sunday, you don't need to know a lot of stuff in order to follow Jesus. You just have to know a few things that are true and then give your life to those things that are true. The reason why 
remembering the truth is difficult, especially in our day. I believe it's, it's, it's more difficult in our era than it's ever been to remember truth. And that's because of the avalanche of information that comes to us in all kinds of forms. Um, we're all swimming in a sea of information. And the amount of information that's coming to us through cable news and podcast and Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and Netflix and YouTube and Disney Plus and Amazon Prime. Should I continue? Did I hit most of your sources? The amount of stuff that's coming to us is limitless. It's mind-numbing. And the problem is, is so much of the information that's coming to us is not true. And if you're going to be a Christian and engage in some of those sources, you're going to need discernment more than you've ever needed it before to determine between what is true and what is false. Um, how many of you like me have an iPhone. Raise your hand if you have an iPhone. If you're a more budget-conscious person, you probably have uh, something similar. But um, you need to understand that God has done a gracious thing for you. Before you look at the front of your iPhone, it would be a good reminder for you to look at the back of your iPhone, at the warning label. Have you noticed the warning label on the back of your iPhone? This is a reminder to you that not everything that you will read on the front of your iPhone is true. In God's providence, somehow He has affixed a warning label to remind you of the first three chapters of Genesis. That the mess that we are in today all started when man believed the lie and bit the fruit. We don't know if it was an apple. The Bible doesn't tell us an apple, but it does say that Satan tempted Eve with information. And he said, you, if you will eat the fruit, you will know like God between good and evil. There's this flood of evil information. There's this flood of good information. It's not all evil. It's not all good. You turn the phone over. It's not all evil. It's not all good. But you're going to need discernment. You're going to need to be warned about what you're about to read. Don't believe everything you read when you flip this phone over. Remember, the devil's a deceiver. He's a liar, and he wants to take you out. Remember, sin begins when you believe the lies that you are about to encounter as you're scrolling through the things you're about to read. Because there's so many sources of disinformation out there, we must continually do what verse 14 says, remind ourselves of the truth. And so remember that as we go through there. Um, this past week, I was in Indianapolis for uh, the Gospel Coalition conference down there, and one of the speakers there and one of the prominent books that is being discussed among pastors and, and uh, people like me over the last year was a book written by a guy named Brett McCracken, and he wrote a book called The Wisdom Pyramid. And what he did was he kind of paralleled, paralleled the food 
uh, pyramid that's helpful to you if you want to know how to be healthy physically. Everybody understands you can't just always eat Krispy Kreme donuts as much as you would want to. Now, there's a place for Krispy Kreme donuts in a healthy diet. Actually, lots of Krispy Kreme donuts, but you have to eat vegetables and, and broccoli and things like that too. And so, you know that food pyramid that we see? Well, Brett McCracken illustrates truth and our consumption of truth and what we actually need to be spiritually, emotionally, and mentally healthy with this wisdom pyramid. And um, the problem is for so many of us, we have it upside down. And so obviously the place that we find truth, you never have to question what you read in the Bible. And so my question is how much Bible intake have you consumed this week compared to social media. There's a place for social media, but it's at the top of the pyramid, the foundation, our daily bread is Bible and we have to consume it and remind ourselves of it. And then beyond that, your local church. Now listen, in our day and age, because of the top two here, you can have access to almost every church that's out there. And I, as your local church pastor, the one that is um, going to give an account for your souls, I worry about the other things that you're consuming here. Um, nature and beauty, uh, there's a place for that. But if you say, yeah, I don't really go to church, I just kind of sit out of my deer stand and that's my worship. Now, you're worshiping the deer, okay? Um, that there's a place for that. And you can learn things about God and God reveals himself through nature. It's his, his general revelation. And then books, um, books by dead authors are more reliable than those who are alive. And then internet, there's a place for internet. But listen, if you're just like, I have a question about um, the sovereignty of God in election. Let me just Google that. Like that, there's going to be some good, but you, how are you going to discern? And, and of course, we know the battlefield that's Twitter and Instagram and, and Facebook. There's a place for all of those things. But if you are going to live a life that is based on truth, you better have a balanced diet here. I, I really liked one of the things he said. I kind of questioned this. I'm not a big nature guy. I'm a Bible guy. And so I kind of wonder, like, how much can you really learn about God by just staring at a tree and, and you know, biology? But uh, Brett McCracken was really convincing because he said, our bodies are stamped with truth. You can know about what God intended your life to be by observing the truth that God stamped into your body. Namely, whether or not God made you male or female. So what do you do with somebody that comes along and says, man, I, I really feel like I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. Well, the first thing you should do, if you've ever felt that, or if you've ever heard someone say that, you should say, is that true? And looking at your body will tell you the truth about what you are feeling about what you believe. Uh, Brett McCracken says this in his book, The Wisdom Pyramid. He says this, it is the height of hypocrisy that vast segments of the pro-environment population who rightly recognize the harm of genetically modified vegetables, inorganic chemical fertilizers and so forth, are also advocates for the chemical and surgical manipulation that allow humans to modify their hormones and sexual organs. Surely, 
if organic is best in strawberries and kale, it is also best in humans. Do you understand? Now, now, whoa, 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 whoa. I appreciate the fact that you are applauding a clear statement of truth. But let's not create unnecessary opposition from people who genuinely struggle believing the truth. We've got to help them. And we've got to help each other remember where we are. The, the truth is God has stamped male and female into everybody. As a matter of fact, it's impossible to transition or change sex because every single cell of the human body is stamped with gender. You either have an XY chromosome or you have an XX chromosome. Did I say that right? Consult with doctors later over these things. They know the truth about these things. So how do we get to the place where there's such confusion over what is true about gender? Bible tells us in Romans chapter 1, it says this, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator. Now, for those of you that are looking like, yep, that's what they did, they. Do you know who the they is? That's all of us because we're all sexual sinners who from time to time want to exchange what we know is true for things that we want to be true. And that's what leads us into sin. We're all sexual sinners. And so if you're someone who struggles with gender identity and, and sexual sin, you are very welcome here because we're all sexual sinners. And sexual sinners need to hear the truth about sexual sin and how to be transformed by the truth of God's Word. So that's why we showed up this morning is because we know we all have this tendency. And so we need to understand the truth. Um, um, I didn't really think that we needed to do this until recently, but um, this week your elders, after careful consideration and prayer before the Lord, we added a section to the doctrinal statement of Gospel City Church. Here's what we added. Under the heading, marriage, sexuality, and gender, gender, we believe that marriage is created by God to be sh shared between one man and one woman in a lifelong holy covenant for the purpose of companionship, sexual intimacy, and procreation. This is what we believe. We live in a fallen world, and so all of us have a tendency to stray from that. This statement goes on. Our created gender, sexuality, and sexual fulfillment are gifts from the Creator and are to be embraced with gratitude and worship. God designed sexual intimacy to be expressed and consummated only between a man and a woman when they are united as one flesh in marriage. Now, you're like, well, you didn't believe that before? Well, of course we did, but we didn't know we needed to like say it because everybody believed that for 5,000 years until the invention of the internet. And all of a sudden there's confusion about these statements. And with the legislation that's proposed right now and all the different things, this is one of the ways that we as a church need to make a clear statement that we believe these things, not because we're hateful and bigoted, but because it's true. And because God says what is truth and God defines what is truth. So, 
Remembering the truth is difficult, but remind yourself of these things. Well, that's the first four words of the passage, and we're 30 minutes in. Okay, so uh, the rest of verse 14 says this, and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Here's the second thing. Quarreling about anything but truth is dangerous. Quarreling. Have you gotten any quarrels in the last 12 months over any words? You want to start a fight? Just drop these words into any multitude of people. See a crowd, drop this word in that crowd. COVID. Mask. Vaccine. Social justice. Critical race theory. And on and on and on and on. And God says to us, do not quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Whatever your opinion is on any given subject, you can find a scholarly article to agree with you because of the invention of the internet. There's supposed evidence for anything that you say you want to believe. I get it. Um, I was talking to a woman uh, this week who's uh, in the medical field, and she said that when you get a COVID test and they stick that long swab up your nose and like touch the back of your skull? Have you had this joyful opportunity? Yes. Well, you need to understand that there are microbots on the end of that swab that are being strategically planted between your brain and the blood. This is the way they control us. But don't worry if you've had, I know some of you are like, oh my goodness, what has happened to me? I've been controlled. Listen, no worries. She said, if you say the Lord's Prayer out loud eight times every day, it disables the microbot and you're free to live as you choose. Some of you are laughing and some are like, tell them. This is, this is a public service announcement here. So how are we going to live in a day where those types of truth claims? We don't quarrel about those things. You know, the saddest part about all those things, the 60 seconds that it took me to tell you that story were 60 seconds I'll never get back to tell you the truth. And it's the same for you when you're on social media and you're engaging around the family table. Listen, it is appropriate to hold strong convictions, but when you can't have a respectful dialogue with someone who disagrees with you, you have become dangerous to yourself and to others. Quarreling is fueled by arrogance and self-righteousness, demanding your rights and hatred toward anyone with whom you disagree. And when Christians quarrel with a tone that reflects fear and anger, you ruin everybody who's listening, especially your children. Watching mom and dad are like, oh, that's the way that Christians engage in a world where they're the minority. 
As a pastor, I have grieved over the last 12 months while listening to people who used to worship together and agree about truth are now quarreling with each other because they can't agree on what is actually true. And I know that the most deadly virus is not microbial. It is spiritual. COVID will not kill the church. Quarreling will. And if we don't kill the pandemic of quarreling with the disinfectants of humility and love and joy, we are going to ruin our opportunity to speak truth into a world that is dying in fear and deception. There's never been a time when a fearful world needed to hear Christians speaking truth with humility and a calm assurance that no matter what we're facing, God is in control. So, rather than posting on your social media platforms to incite quarrels about the latest government mandates or masks or vaccine, your followers would be better served if you would simply post the truth contained in God's Word and your confidence in it. Third thing, handling the truth correctly is hard work. Look at verse 15. One of the most famous verses in the Bible. Do not present yourself to God as one... I'm sorry, let me read that again because it's not what it said. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Many of you may have memorized or were familiar with the, the old King James translated this way, study to show yourself approved, right? And your parents would always hound you, it's like, you're, you know, obey the Bible, study, study. Actually, it's not a great translation. What it means is to work diligently, like give your best effort, work up a sweat. It's hard work to handle the truth correctly. And the motivation is we want to be approved by God. If you give yourself to the study of God's Word, I guarantee you, you won't necessarily be approved by your friends by your teachers at school, but you will be approved by God. And there will come a point for every Christian in their lifetime where you will have to make a choice. Am I going to live for the approval of God by embracing His truth, or am I going to live for the approval of my peer group, my neighbors, my teachers at school, and embrace lies? Whichever one you choose will determine the outcome of your life. Are you living for the approval of God, embracing His truth? Are you living for the approval of man, embracing whatever the next truth claim is that's popular? So we have to handle the word of truth rightly. Now listen, um, I can tell you, this is, I work hard. I know some of you think I only work like 45 minutes on Sunday. This is the easiest part of my week, actually. All the hard work was done on Thursday. Friday, 10.30, Saturday night. Just trying to get the words right, making sure I'm not preaching heresy up here, right? And so I work hard, but you know, I, I only get like 45 minutes. And I'm wondering what is filling your ears the rest of the week. It, 
I know some of you download podcasts, some of you watch sermons, you listen to music, and I'm like, is it true? Is it gospel saturated? Does it rightly represent the holiness of God, substitutionary atonement of Christ, the fact that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, as outlined by Scripture alone, to the glory of God alone? Is that the diet that you're feeding on? Worry about some of you. Let me, let me just give you a real quick list. These are some sources of truth that I regularly traffic. Okay, this is like I'm almost every week I'm in this stuff, okay? ESV study Bible, if you do not have an ESV study Bible, you need one desperately, okay? And when I say ESV study Bible, I'm, I'm not just talking about the ESV translation, that's the tra English standard version, that's the translation that we preach from around here, but the study Bible has been produced with notes from people that actually believe the Bible. This is good for people who publish Bibles to actually believe it. And so the notes there can be trusted and the commentary in the back and it's just the best one volume book that you can own. I'm in it every day. And beyond this, a newer one, Biblical Theology Study Bible edited by D.A. Carson. I met D.A. Carson this week. I walked up to him and introduced myself and he was not impressed. But anyway, I told him, man, I, I, I like read stuff from you almost every day as I'm trying to figure out what I believe and you helped me so much, thank you. The Gospel Coalition is a website um, the Gospel uh, Coalition, they did the conference that I was at in Indy this past week. But if you're looking for an article basically on any topic, any question that would come to your mind, you'll find several trusted truth-oriented articles at the Gospel Coalition. Um, rather than just searching Wikipedia, there's a great place to go from trusted pastors who believe God's Word, Desiring God, DesiringGod.com. You might recognize the name John Piper. It's not the only thing that's published out there, but just a great place to go. Uh, John Piper has a, a, a podcast called Ask Pastor John. Just basically every question you could ever think about anything, and you're going to find some truth there. The Briefing Podcast with Albert Moeller. Albert Moeller is the president of Southern Seminary in Louisville and he does a daily podcast in 25 minutes. If you would like to wean yourself off of cable news and political commentary and see a, a truth-oriented approach to the worldview issues of the day, it's a great place to go. If you're looking for, you know, what do I believe about marriage and family and parenting? I really need to understand what to do. Family Life, great resource. Uh, it's the organization that Andrew and I speak with when we go out and do marriage conferences about four times a year. Anyway, those are just some places and I could go on and on and on and on. But I'm wondering what your list would be. Like, here's the podcast I listen to. Here's the music I listen to. Here's the stuff that I consume on CNN or Fox News or whatever. How much of it is true? How many of it is based on the truth of God's Word? And how many of the people actually are espousing it or even Christians. So these are things that we must do, accurately handling the word of truth. Number four, swerving from the truth is contagious. Swerving from the truth is contagious. Verse 16, avoid irreverent babble for it leads people into more and more ungodliness. Notice the connection now between what we believe and how we behave. Irreverent babble produces ungodly behavior. Godliness is the product of believing truth. Ungodliness is the product of rejecting truth. And then he gives this really gory illustration. And their talk will spread like gangrene. 
you know what gangrene is? It's this awful infectious disease that infects the skin. According to the Mayo Clinic, gangrene is death of body tissue due to lack of blood flow or a serious bacterial infection. Certain types of gangrene spread so rapidly that you can actually see it with the visible eye over the course of several minutes. It can kill you within 48 hours if it is left untreated. And so does irreverent babble. That's how serious he's being. False doctrine is contagious, and it's as contagious and deadly as gangrene. Paul's not afraid to name names. He mentions these two guys, Hymenaeus, Philetus. Maybe at some point they were part of Paul's team. Maybe at some point they believed truth, but then they deconverted. They announced, I'm no longer a Christian. Have you, have you heard of famous Christians doing this or famous... Nominal Christians saying, ah, I'm not a Christian anymore. That's kind of an epidemic right now. It's actually a good thing. I know it's heartbreaking if somebody you love says that, but it's, it's actually the way that God purifies his church. It's the pruning of John chapter 14 so that the church can be truer. I've said this to you all the time. Our church may have fewer, but we will be truer because we're gonna be a, a people who aren't afraid to speak the truth, call you to believe the truth, and to preach the truth. And so he names these two guys. Um, Oprah Winfrey, in her acceptance speech at the Golden Globes in 2018, made, made a statement that really has become viral. Um, she said this, she said, what I know for sure, so she, she's making a truth claim, what I know for sure is that speaking your truth is the most powerful tool we have. Did you see the subtlety? Not speaking the truth, speaking your truth. And with that statement, she invented a whole new category for truth claims. It doesn't have to be universally true. It just has to be true for you. Your truth, those two words are now accepted as real journalism in our modern post-truth world. The assumption is truth is unknowable. I mean, it's really arrogant to say you know the truth, right? I mean, that's the height of arrogance, they say. Truth can be anything you believe, even if it contradicts someone else's truth. Live your truth sounds accepting, but it's actually destructive. It destroys communities, it destroys families, it destroys churches because your truth is going to inevitably clash with somebody else's truth. And when your truth clashes with his truth, guess whose truth wins? The strongest, the richest, and the most powerful. And guess who loses? the weakest, and the most vulnerable. So what we need is not your truth. What we need is God's truth that we wrap our lives around and recognize we don't get to invent truth. We get to believe truth. It says these two guys had swerved from the truth. People listening to this message, they would say, well, that's awful narrow. So are train tracks. And as long as the train rides on the train tracks, man, it makes great progress. 
But if the train swerves from the train tracks, we have what we call a train wreck. And some of your lives resemble a train track because at one time you were riding on very narrow rails of truth. But you felt restricted by that. And so you swerved. And ever since you swerved, your relationship with God is a train wreck. Your relationship in your marriage is a train wreck. Your relationship with money is a train wreck. Here's the good news of the gospel. You can come back after swerving get back on track and believe what is true. Here's the last thing. Obeying the truth is essential. We've talked about believing things. Can we talk about your behavior for a minute? Notice the last verse. But God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal. The Lord knows those who are His. And then we have one of the most strongest, we have... Uh, one of the strongest statements in Scripture about how truth is supposed to govern our behavior. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Iniquity is sin. Iniquity is swerving from the truth. Iniquity is ungodly behavior, it's ungodly speech, it's ungodly attitudes. And what Paul is saying here is, if you're a Christian and you claim the name of Christ, act like it. If you say you believe the truth, it ought to affect your behavior on 3.30 on Tuesday afternoon, not just at 11 o'clock while you're sitting in church on your best behavior. What you believe determines how you behave. How you behave reveals to whom you belong. Your behavior reveals what you truly believe. We all know the name Alexander the Great. Here's a portrait that somebody put together of Alexander the Great. He lived about 300 years before Christ. And by the time Alexander was 30 years old, he had created one of the largest armies in history and was widely considered one of history's most successful military leaders. He was undefeated in battle. During one particular brutal battle, one of Alexander's young soldiers became frightened and he ran away. Later, he was caught. He was imprisoned for retreating in the face of the enemy as a coward. After the battle had ended and Alexander the Great had won a victorious battle, the young man was brought before Alexander for trial. And when Alexander the Great saw how youthful he was, instead of becoming angry, he felt compassion for this young man and began to rationalize, well, I'm sure that he was afraid and running for his life, you know, I'm, maybe there can be some pardon, some mercy involved. So Alexander the Great asked this young soldier, what's your name? The soldier timidly said, Alexander. Alexander the Great, when he heard that, asked more sternly, what is your name? The young soldier snapped to attention and he said, Alexander, sir. What is your name? My name is Alexander. 
sir. Alexander the Great looked at that young man and said, soldier, change your conduct or change your name. As you think about your relationship before the Lord, you call yourself a Christian? If you were to stand before the Lord, say, I believe in Jesus. I believe the Bible. I believe the truth. I've gone to church. I read my Bible. I took the notes. Does your behavior contradict what you say you believe? I wonder if the Lord might be speaking to the heart of each one of us this morning saying, if you're not going to behave like you believe, then quit using the name. Let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So what's your response? You believe the truth? If so, how is it affecting your behavior? For some of you, you, you need to change your behavior because your behavior is contradicting what you say you believe. Some of you need to repent of sin. Some of you need to restore a relationship. Some of you need to change your language. Some of you need to change your attitude. Some of you need to change the way that you spend and save and give money. Some of you need to change the way that you raise your children, the way that you treat your spouse. So many different ways that truth transforms our behavior. It's not enough just to say you're a Christian. It's not enough just to come into the place of worship, sing songs, hear truth, appreciate the Bible. How is it transforming you? Either change your conduct or change your name. Now, some of you, the issue is not that you need to change your behavior. You can't change your behavior. You've tried that. What you need to change is not your behavior. You need to change your name because the reality is you're not truly a Christian. You've used that name. Maybe you're what we call around here a nominal Christian. Nominal means in name only. But there's never been a heart transformation. This book and preaching and podcast, it's all just been consuming information. But it's never led to transformation for you. Has the truth so impacted your belief that it has shown up in your behavior? If not, I want to give you an opportunity to respond right now to the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I told you at the beginning of the service, everything that we were going to do in these 85 minutes was going to lead to a response from you. I've done everything I can do. I've presented truth at the risk of offending you. I've pointed you to the Lord, His goodness, His greatness. He's the one who can change you. You don't have to clean yourself up. You don't have to change your conduct in order to come to Him. You come to Him believing that He can change you and then He changes your conduct. You will depart from iniquity if you believe the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, what do I have to believe? We say it around here all the time. 
believe this, God is holy. He's not messing around. He lives in absolute moral perfection. Believe that His truth is transcendent. Believe that we've all believed lies about ourselves. One of the lies that we believe is, I can be good enough. I don't need Jesus. I don't need to be baptized. I don't, I don't need to join a church. I don't need to humble myself. Those are lies. And as long as you believe it, you'll never believe the next truth. Christ is a savior. Christ came to save sinners. Those who were sexual sinners, those who have believed lies, those that have sinned by their self-righteous, religious, good behavior. It's tricky, isn't it? Self-righteousness is the very thing that will keep us away from Christ who is righteous. So God is holy. We are sinful. Christ is a Savior. So in response to that, repent of sin and believe the truth. You can be saved today. Some of you have swerved from the truth. Come back. Get back on the rails. Put yourself back into a place where you're saturating your life with truth. Cut off the other sources of disinformation. Trust Christ daily.